White Sox Weekly, the official weekly talk show covering all things White Sox baseball. Get the fireworks ready. White Sox Weekly on WLS AM 890. So welcome into White Sox Weekly here on WLS AM 890. I'm Connor McKnight. We've got you for the next hour here on the show. Keeping you up to date with everything going on with the White Sox this offseason. Of course, our our offseason series continues this afternoon. We're going to go position by position, reviewing the 2017 season and previewing as best we can right now the 2018 season. I imagine once we get to spring training and we've got some rosters in front of us, we'll do a little bit more previewing. That's what spring training is for. But for now, we'll deal with what we've got. We have wrapped up the catchers and the first baseman, so next up is second base, which means, of course, we're going to be talking about Yoan Mankata and his first real long go at the major league level. Saw some ups, saw some downs, and saw a lot of promise from Yoan. We'll get to that in a little bit. Also, a, another reminder, and we do this every show, but we do it for a reason. We're doing an oral history series this offseason as well. We're going to take little stories from White Sox years past and kind of flesh them out. Talk to the people who were involved and get some perspectives that perhaps you might not have known or maybe forgot about. First up, and it's going to be next Sunday, not today, next Sunday, November 5th, we are going to run the oral history of Orlando Hernandez getting out of a bases-loaded jam against the Boston Red Sox in the ALDS in 2005. It's my favorite White Sox memory of all time, and I'll probably talk about it a lot next Sunday. One of the gutsiest, the gutsiest relief appearances I have ever seen in my life. So that show's coming up. We've got a bunch of good interviews, uh, and as always, whether you want to listen to that show, of course you have to wait till after it airs, or this show, or any of our other positional preview review series you can check out the podcast, WLSAM.com slash White Sox. That's WLSAM.com slash White Sox. All of our episodes are online there, and you can download them and listen to them whenever you want. Coming up on this show, in addition to the second base preview and review, we're going to check in with Scott Merkin. Scott just got back, well, not just, but got back from the Instruct League first couple of weeks of this month of, of October, and we're checking out a couple of prospects down there. He has also uh, written a piece on Aloy Jimenez's continued domination in the White Sox system. Aloy is in uh, Dominican Winter League right now and just ripping things apart. I mean, every baseball he sees, he destroys, it seems, and the young man has done nothing but hit since coming over in a trade for Jose Quintana so we'll talk to Merck about uh, what's been going on with Aloy Jimenez. We'll check in with him about second base, too, and clean up any loose ends that might be floating around here. A couple of pieces of news that we'll get to as well in just a few seconds. Uh, right now, though, White Sox fans, you can sign up for SoxFest 2018. You do it right now, and you receive a Hawk Harrelson talking bobblehead. The exclusive giveaway item is only available through SoxFest hotel packages. You can join us January 26th through January 28th for a weekend of White Sox baseball you won't want to miss. Hotel packages are available now at whitesox.com slash SoxFest. You know, we get to talking about SoxFest, and I, I love going down there and, and doing as many interviews as I can with as many team members and, and prospects as is possible, too. And, boy, just thinking about how different and how many new players and faces we're going to get a chance to talk to and have on the shows 
all weekend at SoxFest is is pretty incredible to me. I'm I'm very much looking forward to it. Uh, the website again, whitesox.com slash SoxFest. You can get yourself some tickets for that. There's really, I mean, listen, sooner or later, you know, the hope is that a lot of these guys are going to turn into big stars. And uh, this might be the easiest place to go ahead and interact with these guys at SoxFest coming up in January. A couple of pieces of news to get to here before we get too far down the line. Some good news for young Charlie Tilson in the Arizona Fall League. Charlie had been working in instructs, and though he's not, I, I, I suppose, completely 100% healthy, he was added to the Glendale Desert Dogs Arizona Fall League roster. Tito Polo, who was acquired from the Yankees in the deal that sent uh, Robertson and Canely and Frazier uh, over to the Yankees for Blake Rutherford and, in addition, Tito Polo, a center fielder uh, from Columbia, in fact. Polo is off the Arizona Fall League roster. He had struggled some in seven games. He did two hit, 267 on base of 303 and a 267 slug. So Tito, who's he's a young man, very athletic uh, high ceiling kind of guy, I suppose, in that uh, the athleticism and the body and the build, all that kind of stuff checks out. The plate approach might be a little bit undisciplined at this point. That's kind of what makes him a prospect as opposed to a guy that's up at the majors. But Polo is off the Arizona Fall League roster. Charlie Tilson is there. And it seems as though James Fegan of The Athletic doing some of this reporting seems as though Tilson who's still dealing with a fracture in his ankle or had been dealing with a, a fracture in his ankle, wasn't sure exactly whether he was going to get any time at the Arizona Fall League or, or, or in the Arizona Fall League after instructs. It, it does seem that that's going to be the case now, that he's going to get at least some ABs at live pitching. And that's great news. Uh, Charlie, I like a lot. Good kid. And a guy who, in the Cardinals organization, you'll remember he was traded for by the White Sox last season and tore up his hamstring real good in Detroit in his first major league game. Sox wasted no time in calling him up after trading for him. Uh, Charlie's had a real battle trying to stay healthy, trying to get back from that injury. I talked to him in spring training uh, this past spring, and a lot of the conversation just centered around how that hamstring injury is one that just as you rehab from it when it's that bad, you start to, you know, maybe it's not as strong as it's supposed to be. You do all the rehab you can, but other things kind of pop up. You know, maybe you favor the hammy, and that has seemingly affected the ankle. So for Charlie, and we'll keep you posted next Sunday, too, on uh, it, will, it won't be just a complete Orlando Hernandez thing. We'll start with some news and notes, of course, from everybody down there in the Fall League and Instructs and Prospect News and whatnot. Uh, and any off-season news that might merit. But you know, we'll check in on Charlie and see how he's been playing. And hopefully he's been playing well. Uh, another piece of news, and this from the minors too. I, I guess actually this involves both the Major League team and the Minor League team. You'll remember that last year the White Sox played two against the Milwaukee Brewers in Milwaukee before they headed out west to start this season officially. They were, they're not spring training games. They're just kind of exhibition games to, to start things up. This year... The White Sox, instead of playing a major league team, are going to go play the Charlotte Knights, their AAA affiliate. That will be March 26th at BB&T Ballpark in Charlotte. Uh, so it'll be, I suppose, the major leaguers. Kind of an intra-squad thing. And we'll have to talk to Ricky Renneria once spring training comes around and see how 
he's looking at splitting up the the rosters and seeing exactly who's going to play on what team. You would imagine cuts have all been made at that point, but there could be a couple of guys that are still waiting toward the end of the season that may make it, may not. Maybe they'll, you know, I mean, there won't be rules to the game. You can kind of do however you want if you're playing it this way. Maybe you'll see guys go back and forth. Probably not, but perhaps. But what could be really cool is you might see, I would imagine, Michael Kopech is going to pitch in that ball game one way or another, right? I mean, whether he's... Whether he's going to break camp with a big league club, which might be a little bit of a reach, he's definitely going to be a triple-A Charlotte, and you would think that you know perhaps he's in line to start one of those games with Charlotte not starting, uh, the triple-A team not starting exactly when the major league season does. they got a couple of days, so he'd be able to make that opening day start for Charlotte if he does make that start at BP&T. So, a couple of pieces of news there. Glad we got to them, knocked them out of the way. Sox fans, it's never too early to lock in a 2018 ticket package. Full and partial ticket plans are available. Take advantage of great benefits like discounted pricing and flexible payment plans. For more information, call 312-674-1000 or visit whitesox.com. When we come back, we will fire up the second base portion of our review preview series going around the diamond Second base is up next. A lot of conversation about Yoan Mancata on the way. So keep it here. This is White Sox Weekly. I'm Connor McKnight. You've got WLS AM 890. Back at it here on White Sox Weekly, WLS AM 890. I'm Connor McKnight. And sports fans, the Bulls Sox Youth Academy, the official youth training facility of the Chicago Bulls and White Sox, runs year-round basketball, baseball, and fast-pitch softball sports programming for boys and girls ages 5 to 18. The Academy offers private lessons, camps, travel teams, birthday parties, field trips, and much more. Call 630-PLAY-BALL or visit BullsSoxAcademy.com for more information. That's 630-PLAY-BALL or visit BullsSoxAcademy.com. For more information, we're headed around the diamond previewing and reviewing each position for the White Sox in the 2017 season and taking a look at what's there for next year, too. We're up at second base, and that means a whole lot of conversation about Yoan Mankata. However, did you know, and I'm going to cheat a little bit here on my own preview review assignment, Yomer Sanchez played more innings at second base than anyone else on the White Sox roster this year, 620 in total. And I'm going to touch on Yolmer Sanchez a little bit in this episode, to be sure, but I'm also going to save Yolmer for third base once we get all the way to the hot corner. Shortstop will be in two weeks. We've got our oral history show on Orlando Hernandez against the Boston Red Sox in 2005. That'll be next Sunday. So the Sunday after that, we'll get to shortstop. After that, it'll be third. So you got to wait a while for the for the in-depth, the real drill down on Yolmer Sanchez. But I'll start with this. It's a good thing that we're not dealing with Yolmer, that we're not putting Yolmer in the second base review preview series. Because I think the guy played well enough to merit maybe even an opening day starting job at third. You know, we'll see how things pan out and we'll see how... Ricky Renteria likes to use the platoon as much as he has. Matt Davidson, obviously a, a part of the conversation there at third base. But Yolmer hit fairly well this season. I think there were there were signs 
that he could hit for a little bit more pop than perhaps his size would tell you. There were some big hits for Yolmer Sanchez. There were, and, and when I say, you know, it's not so much about the clutchitude, the clutchness of the hits, but he got some pretty big hits against big-time relievers. Uh, there's a knock or two against an Indians bullpen that was pretty shut down this year. Remember a knock or two against the Yankees bullpen, in fact, and the Houston Astros, too. All three of them playoff teams, and Yomer Sanchez has a couple of ribs, a couple of knocks to keep games alive, whether the White Sox ended up winning them or not this past season. Yomer Sanchez was a big part of keeping keeping the White Sox in the game. In total for Yomer this season, a 267 average, a 319 on base, and a 413 slugging percentage. That's a league average bat. And you know, given what you'd seen out of Yomer at the major league level in 14, 15, and 16, in total, 643 at bats, 687 plate appearances. You sum those first three up in the big leagues. 224, 261, 330. That's, that's, he hadn't seen much success, save maybe September of 2016, right? So, as you look at Yolmer, who is probably worth noting, will be in his age 25, 26 season. His birthday's right in the middle of the season, July 13th. So, over the All Star break, he'll turn 26. But he'd always been really young for his level throughout the minors. He'd shown the ability to hit and now showed you what he's capable of, being a, a, a pretty reasonable batter from either side. Um, better from, you know, it's 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 not a secret. You look at the splits for Yolmer Sanchez, and against right-handed pitchers, he fares a bit better than he does against lefties. The on-base percentage about 20 points higher as a left-handed batter than as a right-handed batter. But defensively, is where I think he really showed his ability to stick and stay at third base. Uh, you saw some real responsible third base. I thought you saw the arm play well, and the range was solid, too. Ricky Renneria really showed you that he, he doesn't mind putting Yolmer Sanchez in a bunch of different places. Now, obviously, the starting second baseman for the White Sox in 2018 is going to be Yoan Mankata. There are no bones about that. The only way it doesn't happen is injury. Yawan Mankata, who had been heralded since the Chris Sale trade as the next big cornerstone of the White Sox rebuild, has arrived. And that's his job. There's confidence that comes with that. And I, for one, am pretty excited to see what he's able to do over a, a whole one season of uninterrupted playing time, hopefully. And also what he's able to do with that confidence. The performance kind of spoke for itself, though it was kind of hard to figure out exactly what it was saying. The batting average did not start to pick up, even a little bit, until his coming off the disabled list from a collision, obviously, with Willie Garcia. And boy, you look back at that season, at Moncada specifically. He played in exactly a third of a big league season, 54 games. And you think about what might have happened if, and, and certainly Willie got dinged up pretty bad in that collision. A broken jaw, a concussion. He was able to come back toward the end of the year, which was surprising. And credit to him and the White Sox training staff for getting back. But Mankata was carted off the field in that collision. And for a moment, terrifying moment, you thought, my goodness, 
before it's even begun, Yohan Mankata might miss a serious amount of time. That said, we saw a lot of patience from Yohan Mankata even before he hit the disabled list there. A lot of strikeouts, too. But I think when we're talking about a guy who's always had a fairly high strikeout rate, right around that 28% through all of his time in the minor leagues, but obviously shown plenty of pop and good plate discipline, that number specifically, the strikeouts, kind of expected. You know, I also really like that he showed you the batter's eye that he had, you know, all through his minor league career that, that the scouting report said he had at the major league level and showed it to you right away. Yeah, he might have taken some inside fastballs uh, against guys like Corey Kluber, some two-seamers that come back over the plate as he was hitting left-handed that, frankly, you probably just don't see a lot of, not with that kind of pinpoint control. And and there are, you know, portions of his game that I'll look to be better this coming season, and that's definitely one of them. The strikeout rate he had would have been the fourth highest strikeout rate in baseball had he qualified. However, the walk rate that he held would have been the 21st, sorting through the numbers here, sorry, the 21st highest walk rate in baseball, too. So then he comes off the disabled list, right? Uh, The White Sox are in Kansas City. He has had a couple of bats ordered for him by Jose Abreu. Now, he'd come, truth be told, he'd come off the disabled list four or five days before this. A couple of games against the Indians, a couple of games against the Giants at guaranteed rate field, a couple of knocks in those. But in his last 19 games, after Jose Abreu had uh, convinced him and, and almost forced him to go to a lighter bat, Yuan Mankata hit 308 with an on-base of 379 and a 513 slugging percentage. He hit four home runs. He had 10 RBI in those 19 games. He struck out 22 times. And he walked eight times. So in a season where right from jump, and rightfully so, given the talent that the guy held and the potential that he possesses, White Sox fans wanted to see him at the big league level. And I don't blame him for that one bit. It does seem, though, and in talking with general manager Rick Hahn, they were really able to, in Charlotte, clean up some particulars that matter at second base. Transfers of double plays, making sure the arm slot stays up so you can turn the play and not you know, get yourself into trouble with the, fielder, uh, the, the runner coming in. Those things were cleaned up at AAA, and it seemed to benefit him at second base defensively. He's got some serious range. We saw it, I think, in a number of different season, uh, situations We saw it, I think, in a number of situations this year, especially when the White Sox are deploying the shift. He seems to have a lot of range once he's out in short right. He comes in on the ball well. He throws well. Defensive liability was something that was thrown around not so lightly with him, with the Red Sox. That seems to have been ironed out, and he seems to have taken to second base incredibly well. A couple of highlights from Yoan Mankata this season are worth taking a listen to. As Before we get to those, though, and we'll take you out to the break on that, a couple other players did man second base. For Tyler Saladino, a season that was an incredibly tough one, I don't know that Tyler was ever 100% healthy to start the year. In his first couple of weeks, he was seeing as many pitches as you could find. I mean, he was really having deep, deep at-bats and taking walks, 
the back issue popped up. It's a ner- It was a nerve issue too, and I, I think just dealing with that really knocked him out. And that may be something that that perhaps still affects him. That may be something that you know, baseball is a, a business where you've got to be healthy and on the field in order to contribute. And that may be a factor in in decisions that have to be made about Tyler Saladino this coming season. We'll see. Uh, Alan Hansen. Played a couple of innings at second base as well, 13 games in total. A guy who was one of a a top top 10 prospects with the Pittsburgh, a guy who was in the top 10 prospect tier with the the Pirates for a couple of years, certainly flashed the speed, was used in a number of positions. What's interesting about Hanson to me is that while there's not a whole lot of pop in the bat, there's certainly a lot of speed. He likes to play to that point of the game and can play in a couple of different positions too. He's also only had 267 Major League Plate appearances, and he's 24 years old. So, you know, who knows? Maybe a little bit more exposure to big league pitching, and you see maybe a little bit more out of Alan Hansen, an intriguing guy when the White Sox boil down their roster crunch come uh, end of spring. The MLB.com at Bat app is your number one mobile app for live White Sox baseball. You can stay connected with a fully customizable experience, get White Sox home screen icons and app features, as well as game day, live game video highlights, radio broadcasts, StatCast news, and more. Download MLB.com at bat today. Now, though, as promised, we'll throw you a couple of highlights from Yohan Mankata's season. 54 games of the White Sox and a lot of good work done, but we'll let things kick off. General Manager Rick Hahn. We're not bringing it here to sit. We feel that he's ready for that next challenge that comes at the big league level. Another 3-2. He walked him. He was down a 1-2 and takes a walk. And a pitch is swaying up fly ball. Left center field. This is hit deep. That's going to the wall for extra bases. Abreu home. Garcia coming home. Davidson's running third to home. He scores. Mikata has a triple to clear the bases. And the White Sox are blowing this one open at 5-1. to one. Here's the 0-2. Swinging a fly ball deep center field. This is tagged. Going back. Nap at the track. He's at the wall. The kid's hit his first home run. Pitch is swinging a ground ball up the middle. Play for Mankata on the shortstop side. Second throws him out. Hang his star on it. He threw him out for shortstop. He was playing second base. The order now. Here's Zimmer. A slug bump past the mound. Up with it. Mankata flips with the glove. Got him. Back-to-back plays. Getting the gold glove now. What are we witnessing here tonight? Swinging a high fly left field. This is going to go to the track and the wall gone. Makata ties the game here tonight. Turn him on. One ball, one strike. The one, one. A swing and a shot up the middle base hit. This is going to score him. Sox win. Sox win. He tied it with a home run. He wins it with a single to center. 2-0 the count. Hitting room right side of the infield. Here's swinging a long one, center field. This is going to go to center. And it's a run over. Sox lead, 7-6 on his eight. Welcome back to White Sox Weekly here on WLS AM 890. White Sox games are better with a group. Group events are perfect for clients, employees, celebrating or fundraising. Bring your group for a great experience with specially priced tickets. It's never too early to start planning 2018. For more information, call 312-674-6330 or visit WhiteSox.com. It is our pleasure now to be joined for the very first time this offseason by Scott Merkin of MLB.com. You can find all of his writing there on Chicago WhiteSox.com or 
You can head over to Twitter at Scott Merkin. Hi, Merk. Connor, how you doing? Doing fantastic. Thanks so much for uh, for hanging out with us on the show this afternoon. Good to talk with you. I, I called mostly because your latest over there on WhiteSox.com is about a young man named Aloy Jimenez who is just ripping up any kind of competition that he's been served so far. And granted, you know, the level he's at right now is a level where he's supposed to be absolutely tearing things up. Right. But it seems as though what he's doing is coming with, I don't know, like a flavor or a flair. Or there, there's, it seems to be feeling differently than other prospects you see down there. I wonder if you felt the same way and if you feel the same thing from the White Sox. Yeah, you know, I, I haven't seen, except for video, I haven't seen him play, but I have had a chance to talk to him, as you did too, when they, you know, brought him into town. And I've talked to people from, you know, who covered the Cubs and know the Cubs who, of course, traded him for in the Jose Quintana deal. And he he does just seem like sort of a different sort of, that, that kind of seminal, different kind of talent. Now, again, you know, before you start, we start claiming that the Sox won the trade, if you even need to claim the Sox won the trade or anything like that, and start, you know, right. Um, making room for the number retirement uh, up near Mark Burley there. We probably want to let him, you know, get to triple A and let him have a season or two in the major leagues. But he looks like he just really, you know, is, is a different sort of talent. And I think he's the kind of guy too, who other players kind of gravitate to. I was in uh, the instructional league and talked to Mike Rodolfo, another, you know, a, a kid with immense promise and another real good kid works hard and all that. And he was going to the Dominican instructional league after he had injured his, um, the knuckle, I think it was on his left pinky, mm. and missed the end of the year. So he was kind of rehabbing in the in the White Sox instructional league in Arizona, and now he's in, he's going to be starting November the Dominicans uh, instructional league. And I was talking about how he was going to you know work with Jimenez, their friends. Jimenez has given him some like I don't want to say tips or pointers, but just some drills. He shared some drills that he does oh, okay, too. Yeah. So yeah, I, I think I think that Jimenez is that kind of guy that you can you know I, I think everyone is looking at this rebuild and say. You know, first we heard it's Rodon and Anderson, then you see Moncada, and then you hear Kopech. And, you know, I think Jimenez is – I don't know if you need one guy to build it around, but I think Jimenez is one of those guys you can put in that group for sure, near the top of that group. Yeah, and, you know, we want to talk a little bit about Yoan Moncada here this afternoon too with you since we're on our second baseman preview and uh, review series of the offseason. But this this Aloy thing just kind of popped up to me. I, I wonder, you know, as you were in Instructs and, and got down there to be able to see a couple of the prospects who were down there for the, uh, let's see, first two weeks of this of this month, what what struck you there? Is there, you know, is there a palpable, like, chatter or conversation about this youth movement? It, it seems as though, you know, whether Eloy's at the head of it or whether that's Mankata or whomever it happens to be, I mean, you listed the names, it, it kind of feels as though there's a charge. Yeah, you know, I would say one more thing on the Aloy thing is that it, it's it turned out to be a really good trade so far on both sides. You know, I, I, I don't yeah. know if people heard uh, some of Theo Epstein's last press conference, and he basically said, you know, and I think it's true, they don't make the playoffs unless they make that Jose Quintana move. And they also have Jose Quintana under control for a few years. And the Sox weren't, wouldn't make that trade without getting, you know, for sure Jimenez and then Dylan Cease, who was at Instructional League, doing some work from uh, coming back from a little bit of a shoulder fatigue. So I think, you know, those are the kind of trades. I know fan bases want to say we got the better, we got the better. But I think from a GM perspective, Rick Hahn and whoever else he's dealing with, you, you want to make good baseball trades that benefit both sides. With that said, yeah, there's, there was definitely a buzz down there. You, you, I mean, I've been, I think, the last three or four instructional leagues slash fall leagues for, you know, a week at a time in October. And I'm not taking anything away from the players who were there before, obviously, but – 
it, you could just sense like this group, they're, they're doing it the right way. You know, I mean, it, it's the way that the Cubs did it, the way that the Astros have got to the World Series, the way that the Royals did it. You know, you, you, you get these guys, you put them together, you let them develop together, you let them bond together. They're going to lose together, obviously, you know, for a little bit. Yeah. And then you hope they get to, you know, Cubs won, Royals won, Astros, as we tape this, are in the World Series. Um, and uh, you, you you hope, you know, that you get to that same point. You hope that gets them. And, and you can feel it. You know, there's personalities in this group. There's guys who believe and they know what's going on. You know, they know, they see who's sitting next to him and they see who's playing next to him on the field. They see who's on the mound. And they have a feel. They they know what's going on, and they know the direction they're going, and they believe that they'll be a good group when they get there. So let's talk a little bit about some of those guys who are there now, or at least had gotten to the major league level. Yoan Mankata has obviously spearheaded the second face preview review segment so far today, and I, I, I kind of wanted to ask you uh, about what you saw out of Mankata. You've seen prospects come up and make a splash in this league. Mankata's you know, initial handful of, of MLB at-bats, his first handful of weeks, were something real different. And I don't think it was necessarily bad. I don't necessarily even right. think it was great. But at the same time, it was, I think, full of lessons about the player we saw. I wonder I wonder what you saw, what struck you most about the first taste of Yoan Mankata before he hit the DL, before he came back, before Jose Abreu bought a bushel full of baseball bats for him. <laughs> well, you know, Connor, in my day with prospects, no, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> you, you know, you talk a lot to people when you're in our position, you know, scouts and other people covering the teams, and everything you heard about Moncada, whether he was going one for 20 or finishing strong or drawing walks, was that the kid is just, you know, like we were just talking about Jimenez, just kind of a supreme talent, just off the charts, you know, really warranted for a while being considered the number one prospect, you know, by our MLB pipeline until he had had enough at-bats, enough games to be out of that, that role. But I think that's something you have to consider is that I thought his at-bats were good. I thought, you know, he, and he he admitted he'd like a little better results, obviously. But I think it's it's impossible to draw pure conclusions out of just what you said. This year is going to be very important. I mean, he's going to be the starting second baseman from pillar to post this year. Yeah. 2000 and We're on 2018, right? That'll be the next season. Yeah, that'll be he, the next one, yeah. Yeah, he's going to be the guy. There's no split time. There's no Charlotte. There's, you know, Yoan Moncada is the White Sox starting second baseman, no doubt about it. So I think you're going to get a better feel as to his overall game when he's playing, you know, pretty much every day. What, you know, 135, 140, 145 games, whatever they deem fit for, you know, a full-time player at that age. But I think the things you saw from him was good patience at the plate. And the thing that struck me is just, you know, talking to him is, at least publicly, and I think you can pretty much tell, even if it's a little different privately, he, he kept his composure. You know, he kept his poise. He wasn't bothered by the fact that when he started, he was in a little bit of a, you know, not a little bit, but he was in a funk. He was striking out some. He wasn't getting the hits he wanted, but he knew it was going to come, and he would tell us, you know, when we'd ask him about it, you know, through Billy Russo, the interpreter, that, you know, hey, it's a process. I, I know I have to work. I know I have to get there, and, and I think – it was a it was a great learning experience for him this year. You know the, the time he had was it a couple about a couple months up there in the big leagues, and, and I think you could see what he could become when everything starts clicking just in there. And you could also see the talent. I, I think people he showed he was you know maybe a, a tick or two better defensively in second base than people thought. And I know he loves playing second base at his natural position. So you know he's he's going to be great. 
I think it's just a question of what level did he take it to, and it's just very tough to judge by this kind of year, just just this short term. Yeah, it, it almost feels, you know, with a player going from their first taste, first real long, because obviously he played like, what, a handful, eight games or so with the Red Sox right. the season prior, but you, you, you go from where Yoan ended the season to this coming year, the 2018, we've confirmed it's 2018, going to be next season, it's almost as though the assignment for Yoan, it feels like the assignment for Yoan from the White Sox is going to be just do you. Just just go out there and, and play and figure things out and be the player we saw over the last handful of weeks. It's it's seemingly just get comfortable in your own skin out there on the on the field. Yeah, you know, I, I, I wrote a story about um, Avi Garcia, I think it was at the end of last week. Uh, I talked to him at the end of the season and, you know, wrote this offseason about people thinking, you know, okay, he had this great year, but can he follow it up next year? And is he bothered by, you know, doubters, skeptics? And he's like, he smiled and he's like, no, he's like, it takes people time to get there. And he, he mentioned to me, and I'm sure everyone comes up with, you know, two, three, four names, but he mentioned to me, name guys who come up and right away are just, you know, their peak of play. You yeah. know, I mean, you can look at a guy like Mike Trout, you know, his small sample size when he first came up was not very good. And now he's, you know, arguably the best player in baseball. Yeah. I know there's, you know, the clay Bellingers and I mean, even Aaron judge, right. Aaron judge had a little yeah, bit of absolutely. time last year and, and wasn't great. And he was, uh, you know, he's probably going to be number two or number three in the AL MVP voting and run away for the rookie of the year. So I think it takes everyone time. And I think we're in a society with social media where everyone wants instant results and you want to judge things from game to game. So if the guy goes, over for 10, over two games, you know, you're like, oh, man, you know, what's going to happen here? Or if he goes four for five and hits a, you know, game-tying homer off Ken Giles against the Ast- the World Series contending Astros, mm-hmm. you're like, okay, th- this is the guy. So I think you're right. I think they're just going to let him do his thing. You know, they have people there to help him. You know, I, I would assume Jose Abreu is going to be there with him and just kind of let him develop at his pace. And, you know, they're, you know, I know people have suggested that, you know, maybe this is a team that could sneak in for the second AL wild card. I, I think in all honesty, the White Sox probably aren't thinking that way, and they certainly aren't changing their focus to, to do that. They're consi- they're looking at the big big term picture, it's a long term future type of thing. So they're just going to let him go. You know, there's no pressure on him still this year, and it's another good year to let him go. And like you said, just be him and see what he can produce. Talking with Scott Merkin of MLB.com here for another minute or two on White Sox Weekly. Mark, I, I know this year the winter meetings, which are coming up, and you know we're focusing a lot on second base. But since we have you on the horn, we figured we'd ask you: the, the winter meetings this year don't figure to be what they were last year for Rick Hahn and the White Sox, obviously. But if you had to take a guess at maybe some outside possibilities of of interesting things that might pop up for the White Sox, might be on their radar. What what might this off season and what might some of the movement around the major league roster look like? Well, I think, you know, Rick mentioned pretty straightforward at his season-ending interview there that, you know, they kind of took apart the bullpen in the second half of the Mm -hmm. season. I I was just writing about this the other day, what they traded, I think, was it seven relievers, something like that, five, six relievers. They found relievers they didn't have just so they could trade them. It almost felt like that. Exactly. Well, I mean, you're not lying there. Tyler Clifford was there for, what, uh, 10 games? Maybe. He was was traded to to the Astros, you know. And and then you have Nate Jones, Zach Putnam, and Jake Patrishka all coming back from season-ending surgeries at some point or another. I think, you know, Zach is a little further into the season, whereas Nate and Jake should be ready, you know, sometime near the start of the season. Mm-hmm. So I think the bullpen is something they're going to try and address. I think, uh, you know, they're, they're certainly going to get another veteran starter or two to mix in with Giolito and Lopez 
and Shields, and then whenever Carlos Rodon is, is ready to come back. And, you know, there are certain spots I, I thought, you know, uh, Smith, Kevin Smith and Omar Narvaez had a very good year combined behind the plate there. So is that what they're set for for 2018, or are they going to look maybe beyond that? Although you do have Zach Collins coming up, you know, right. on the outside quickly. Adam Engel was tremendous defensively. You know, probably, I, I don't want to say as good as anyone in the game defensively, but right up there in kind of that elite category defensively. But, you know, I think by his own admission, did not make nearly enough contact. So is that something that interests them? And, you know, I, I talked to Rick probably about three or four weeks before the end of the season, and he said, you know, while they're not, you know, he said this in the beginning, that when the time comes to spend, they'll be ready to spend. But he also said they're not writing off any kind of off-season period either. So I think if there's something they deem a fit that maybe just passed this year as kind of a, sign and flip they could you know investigate or pursue that avenue so the other side of that obviously is trades and while it doesn't seem like this offseason is going to be the one where maybe you deal from a a depth position you know where there might be a a couple of prospects maybe some roadblock guys or however it ends up i mean if they had a second second baseman behind mancata you go okay maybe there's something you can move and get for that where is the horizon for making moves like that to your sense, and and what is it realistically, uh, when is it rather realistically, that, that you look to spend some of that capital as opposed to just the cash? Well, I, I think, I don't know if you'd agree, but I think the, the big thing to look at this offseason is what their decision is, what their focus is for Jose Abreu and obviously Al Garcia moving yeah. forward. Because yeah. you have two years of control, you know, counting this coming year over each one of them. So I think, you know, you have to kind of decide – are these guys big long-term fits? Are these guys part of the long-term rebuild or are they someone we try and, you know, move now, both coming up great years, both great, great guys too, both, you know, great clubhouse influences. Absolutely. In there. And, but I think the market is going to dictate that. I don't think Rick is going to, you know, Rick or Kenny or anyone else in there is going to, you know, turn around and trade these guys for 50 cents on the dollar. You know, it's not one of those. These guys are very valuable to the White Sox, both as players for the team or could be as moves. So I think, you know, it's just dic- it's going to be dictated by what the interest is in both these guys. And, and you know, I, I think you have to explore. There there are no untradeables on that team. You know, I think in the sense that in terms of, like, trading from depth, because as we know, you know, when you get this kind of haul prospect-wise, A, not all of them are going to make hit the level where you think, and some are going to probably hit above the level you think. But B, not all of them are going to hit the level with your team. You know, eventually you may have to move some of them. But I think right now – it's probably a little early for that. You know, I, I think maybe the next off season is a little more where you can identify, okay, we now know in this rebuild process, we have someone set here, we have someone set here, but we're not sure here. So we may have to make some moves to go out and fill this spot. So I, I still think they're firmly in still that kind of talent procurement and even more so the development area right now yeah. before they start, you know, so they can assess what they really have as they go forward. That makes sense. That makes sense. Dealing, dealing prospects might be a little over the skis, especially when you've got situations with Avi and Abreu to, to, to resolve one way or another. That makes a lot of sense. Right. Yeah. I, I think, I think it's still a little soon at that point. Yeah, yeah I would agree. Uh, you are a joy to have on the show. Thanks so much for hopping on. Really appreciate it. Have a great off season. Did someone write that for you, or is that really hard? Yeah, no, it's right here on the sheet. No, it's right here. The socks write that out for Oh, no, yeah, no, I made that up. That's just me. That's me off the cuff, Scott. <laughs> Scott Merkin, MLB.com. Thanks again. Thanks, Connor. And that is going to do it for us here on White Sox Weekly. Before we let you go, if you've ever dreamed of being a White Sox player, now is your chance. Attend the 2018 Chicago White Sox Fantasy Camp at Camelback Ranch Glendale, January 14th through the 20th, and be treated like a pro. For more information... 
or to reserve your roster spot, call 623-302-5078 or sign up at WhiteSox.com. We'll get you next Sunday for another edition of White Sox Weekly. I'm Connor McKnight. This is WLS AM 890. You've been listening to White Sox Weekly, the official weekly talk show covering all things White Sox baseball. Listen every week for White Sox Weekly on WLS AM 890, the proud home for White Sox baseball.